Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 257 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are in 1 Timothy chapter 5 today and our focus is on how should Christian men treat women and should Christians drink alcohol at all. So every day we shoot for around 10 minutes where we dig into God's word chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Our goal is to get you involved in daily Bible thinking, daily Bible listening, daily Bible understanding, and daily Bible following. Our webpage is Bible2021.com. That's Bible and then the numbers 2021.com, Bible2021.com. Please do check it out. Please do tell friends and neighbors about the show. As a reminder, since we are a slightly over 10-minute podcast, that means we can't take deep dives into topics that deserve more than a mere 10 or you know 13 minutes. So treat these episodes as introductions and not the complete word on any particular topic. This goes especially for tonight's two topics. They each deserve more than a few minutes, but we can certainly offer some introductory thoughts in scriptures. How should Christian men treat women? Well, this is a question that is addressed in the Bible, but maybe not taught on quite enough by pastors and teachers. Based on the way some men in church treat women, it would seem that we need to better focus on this truth more. So how should men treat women? Paul gives us a very surprising, maybe a a surprisingly practical command in today's chapter. In verses 1 and 2, he says, Don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters with all purity. Well, a few truths to unpack here. First, We're supposed to show respect to those who are older than us. We're not supposed to rebuke older people, but we're supposed to treat them like we would our father or mother. Younger guys should be treated as brothers and younger younger women like sisters with all purity. I take from that that men in the church should treat women with a great deal of respect. Older women being treated and exhorted as mothers, remembering the Bible calls us to honor our father and mother. And that means older women in the church must be treated with respect, deference, honor, etc. Women our age and younger should be treated like sisters. And Paul adds a bit of a modifier here. He says with all purity. That means women in the church should never be treated as objects nor harassed in any way. And in particular, any form of sexual harassment is an abomination and forbidden. One other command comes to mind here. It's in 1 Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. Now, first, let me say that weaker is not meant in any way to be pejorative or insulting. It's a general statement that's generally true and was especially so in the first century where women were in a weaker position from like a societal perspective. It might also refer to being physically less strong. For instance, I'm about 6'1", 225. My wife is 5'4", and at least 100 pounds less than me. I think I'm physically stronger than her, even though mentioning her weight in even a vague sort of way might be enough to get me knocked out. But physical and societal strength is likely what Peter is referring to here. It's not a universal 100% principle. There are most certainly in the world somewhere wives who are physically stronger or 
even societally stronger than their husbands, but most of the time it's the other way around. And because of that, husbands have to understand their wives and show them honor. That means a husband must put forth real time and effort and thought to get his wife to know what she likes and dislikes and to understand her and to learn to live with her in a way that honors and uplifts her and not in a way that embarrasses or annoys or agitates or harms her in any way. To do otherwise means that God will not hear our prayers. So, be a bad husband, men, and your prayers will be hindered by God. That sounds kind of important, right? Well, second topic. Should Christians drink? I might have mentioned this before on last year's podcast, but my first study Bible was a most excellent gift from my girlfriend, who I think the next year would become my wife. Um, I'll never forget how passionately anti-drinking the author of the notes in that study Bible were. And, and, you know, the study Bible is a Bible where it has the verses in normal way, but the bottom, I don't know, usually third of each page has notes on the verse, kind of like a commentary in a Bible put together. And the guy who wrote the notes for that study Bible was very anti-drinking. So this guy made the case over and over and over again that the wine mentioned in the New Testament, specifically the kind of wine that Paul urged Paul to drink in today's passage, was something he called sweet wine, meaning it didn't have any appreciable alcohol in it. Now, his point was to dissuade Christians away from addiction, alcoholism, and drunkenness, which is a good thing. But was he right? Was the wine that Jesus made at Cana in John chapter 2 and the wine that Paul tells Timothy to drink in 1 Timothy 5, was it actually non-alcoholic? Well, in a word, no, it wasn't. And I think we can prove that pretty easily. Consider our passage today, 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. Paul says, don't continue drinking only water, but use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Well, the Greek word used there is the word oinos, which means wine. It's the exact same Greek word that Paul uses in Ephesians 5, 18, which says, don't get drunk with wine or oinos, which leads leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. And it should be noted, according to John 2, Jesus made oinos. So in one passage, Paul tells Timothy to drink a little oinos, wine. In another passage, Paul commands the Ephesians not to be drunk on oinos, wine. This tells us that you can get drunk on oinos, and thus it can't be that this word simply means grape juice. You can't get drunk on grape juice. So there's some nuance here. The Bible very, very clearly forbids getting drunk, which would include being buzzed or high or whatever, but it does allow for the drinking of a bit of wine. I need to say these are not the only passages on drinking. For instance, in Romans 14, Paul says, It is a good thing not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that makes your brother or sister stumble. Whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. So I take from these passages sort of in total that the Bible does not forbid drinking wine. Now, strong drink, like liquor, scotch, whiskey, whatever, that's an entirely different discussion that we won't cover here. The Bible does talk about strong drink and warns against it. Uh, and you don't really have any instances of Jesus making it or Paul telling somebody to drink it. Uh, but also, so the Bible does not forbid drinking wine, at least. But the Bible does forbid getting drunk or buzzed. And the Bible also forbids, in Romans 14 and other places too, 
causing a person to stumble or have issues by your drinking. You can't be a cause for stumbling for somebody else. As Paul says, it's better not to drink wine or eat meat than to cause another believer to have difficulties with you. One more verse that's really important is 1 Corinthians 6.12. Paul says, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now, this tells us that not everything that we are allowed to do, like drinking wine, is actually beneficial for us. So if you have the propensity or the tendency to be mastered by wine, in other words, if you have the tendency to become addicted to things, especially like alcohol things, then Paul seems to be telling us in 1 Corinthians 6.12 to avoid wine altogether. Now again, this is an issue that demands more depth than what we've given here, but hopefully what we've discussed will at least put us on the right track biblically. Now let's go read our passage. It is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Don't rebuke an older man, but exhort him as a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and the younger women as sisters with all purity. Support widows who are genuinely in need. But if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first and to repay their parents, for this pleases God. The widow who is truly in need and left all alone has put her hope in God and continues night and day in her petitions and prayers. However, she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command this also so that they will be above reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. No widow is to be enrolled on the list for support unless she is at least 60 years old and has been the wife of one husband and is well known for good works. That is, if she has brought up children, shown hospitality, washed the saints' feet, helped the afflicted, and devoted herself to every good work. But refuse to enroll younger widows from when they are drawn away from Christ by desire they want to marry and will therefore receive condemnation because they have renounced their original pledge. At the same time, They also learn to be idle, going from house to house. They are not only idle, but are also gossips and busybodies saying things they shouldn't say. Therefore, I want younger women to marry, have children, manage their households, and give the adversary no opportunity to accuse us, for some have already turned away to follow Satan. If any believing woman has widows in her family, let her help them. Let the church not be burdened so that it can help widows in genuine need. The elders who are good leaders are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain, and the worker is worthy of his wages. Don't accept an accusation against an elder unless it is supported by two or three witnesses. Publicly rebuke those who sin so that the rest will be afraid. I solemnly charge you before God in Christ Jesus and the elect angels to observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing out of favoritism. Don't be too quick to appoint anyone as an elder, and don't share in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. Don't continue drinking only water, but use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. Some people's sins are obvious, preceding them to judgment, but the sins of others surface later. Likewise, good works are obvious, and those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden. Amen. Well, we close out today with our Bible memory passage for the month of September, which is 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17. And it says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. 
Amen. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.